Lukutei Sicha Yitzchelik Yutes, Parshas Re'eh, Sicha Aleph. Parshas Re'eh begins with the Apostle, Re'eh Anoichi Noisei Mufneichem Hayoyim, Esa Brocha Ve'esa Klola. Behold, I set before you today a blessing and a curse. The words, Esa Brocha Ve'esa Klola, are translated by Targum Unkulus as Brocha O Klola, Berchon Velutin which is how Tar- Targum Onkelos translates the word klola in later verses as well. Lutin would be an, the Aramaic for the word curses. Targum Yenison, however, the Targum of Rabbi Yenison ben Uziel, translates the word klola using the term vechilufa and its opposite or exchange, as in Behold, I am placing before you today blessing and its opposite or its exchange. Similarly, in Targum Yerushalmi, we find that on the latter verse, the translation used in the Targum for the word klola is chilufehen, its substitutions or exchanges, as though there is a blessing and the substitution or exchange for a blessing is a curse. So we need to understand the difference between these two terms used in Targum Onkelos, Lutin, which means curses, and in Talmud Yerushalmi and Targum Yenison, Vechilufin, which means its exchange or substitution. Furthermore, farther on in the verses, on the words in Posuk Hoftes, in verse 29, al har evil, the curses will be pronounced on Mount Avil, Targum Yenison shifts and translates Klola here as Milatataya, which means curses, and doesn't use the word Vichilufa, its exchange. So why the particular usage of the translation of Chilufa, its exchange, by Targum Yenison and Targum Yerushalmi in our verse? There's something else here that requires understanding. A klola is a curse. Chilufa, the translation used in Targum Yenison and Yerushalmi, indicates an exchange of something for something else. The exchange has to have some sort of commonality that makes it exchangeable. Uh, for example, if I buy a silver top to go with a black skirt and I exchange it, I will be exchanging it for another top but not for something else completely, because there was a purpose. So that would be an exchange. And then it would be an exchange for something else. What kind of commonality exists between a blessing and a curse? The exchange for blessing would be no blessing, but curse? We see this in the Chilufe Oisius that we learn, letter permutations and exchanges that are taught to us in Kabbalistic sources, for example, the words Echod and Vo'ed are taught as interchangeable in the Holy Zohar. The Echod of Shema Yisrael, Hashem Aloikeinu, Hashem Echod, and the Vo'ed, of Baruch Shem Kveid Malchusei Li'olam Vo'ed are taught to be interchangeable. How is that? The Vov of Vo'ed 
is interchangeable with the Aleph of Echad because the Vav and the Aleph are of a group of letters, an Aleph, Hey, Vav, and Yud, letters that are, sustain the letters that precede them. As well, they are oftentimes silent or soft letters. And also these are letters created by the force of our breath. The letter Ches of Echod is interchangeable with the Ayin of Vo'ed, for they are both of the group of the four throat letters, the Aleph, the Ches, the He, and the Ayin. And the Dalit of Echod can be interchanged with the Dalit of Vo'ed, though the Dalit of Echod is enlarged. They are, however, both Dalits. There's a commonality that makes the letters interchangeable. But how is this true for the word klola and the word bracha? To understand this, we look at the general difference between Targum Unculus and Targum Yenison and Yerushalmi. Targum Unculus translates the words of Torah directly, translating its literal usage. With the exception of certain circumstances, Targum Unculus is a very direct translation. Whereas Targum Yenison and Targum Yerushalmi very often translate not only with a literal translation, but add explanation bringing sources from Midrash, from the sages, from Halacha, and so forth. Therefore, Unculus, whose translation is a literal and direct translation, explains the word uklola and the curse with the word velutin. According to Midrash Chazal, however, the word lutin doesn't explain the whole picture. It doesn't give us and cover the whole picture. The whole picture has to incorporate the fact that the Pasuk begins with the words Anoichi Noisein Lifnechem Hayoim. I, God, am placing before you. This is coming from God. So how can we simply translate as Haklolo, the curse, as a curse, as Targumunculus does, if everything that comes from God is in essence good? Everything Hashem gives, he gives with an ayin yofe, and nothing negative comes from Hashem. And this is why Targum Yenison translates Klolo as Chilufa, the exchange for bracha, the only reason klola is a curse when Hashem offered bracha is because our behavior caused a change in what anoichi noisein, in what Hashem gives. Hashem gave good and blessing, but our actions caused the blessing to be changed to klola, similar to the way if we carefully observe Hashem's mitzvahs, the result is a neichi neisein bracha. I will give blessings. The consequence of our wrong action causes a change in the bracha that Hashem is giving. The reason Targum Yenison uses the translation umlatataya, meaning curse, to explain klola in the latter verse when we are in Eretz Yisrael and the Kohanim and Levim 
call out the brachas and klolas is because it's not associated with the anoichi, with what Hashem is specifically giving, but rather with what we must then understand. The problem with that explanation of chilufa, though, the way Targum Yenison explains klola, is that it's very difficult to suggest that the chilufa, the klola, doesn't actually come from God. Particularly, as the words in the Pasa quite expressly state, there's a very definite vav hamoisif, a vav that adds klola to bracha, one thing and then another. Let's understand this by reviewing how the translation of Targum came to be. Torah was translated from Lashon HaKadosh to Aramaic because Jews were in exile. Circumstances demanded the translation of Torah into various Gentile languages so that Jews could study Torah and understand. But the individual Golos experiences determined how the translations manifested. Targum Onkelos, which was translated in Bavel, in Babylonia, where the darkness of exile and concealment of God was intense, was a translation for a people who experienced the clawless, the curses, the Yisurim, as just that, as curses. But Targum Yonason and Targum Yerushalmi are translations written in Eretz Yisrael, where the concealment of exile isn't so intense as the internal experience of exile, the goal is more obvious. Hence, the translations using Medrash, which reveal the inner intent of Torah Shebechtav. Thus, in the translation of Targum Yenison and Yerushalmi, the inner intention of Klola, or of the pangs of Golus, are Chilufa, it's an exchange for something good that became klola, but it's what revealed good looks like in concealment. It isn't inherently bad. Therefore, the Pasuk in Parshas Ekev tells us that Hashem let us go hungry in the desert and then fed us man so that we would know that man does not live by bread alone, but rather, man lives by that which comes forth from Hashem's mouth. That, just as man chastises his son, so Hashem chastises our nation in order so that we keep the mitzvahs and become refined and able to receive the ever greater revelation of redemption. So the Targum language and the inner message of Golos that the Asurim and exile are for our good is appropriate to the abilities of even the simplest person who has no command of Lashna Kaidish and one who speaks the language of the nation of his exile, the one who is deeply affected by the exile in their spiritual, in their spirituality, and in their spoken tongue. This lesson of what the inner intention of Golos is, what the reality of Klola is, is expressed in the translation of Targum Yenison 
in the beginning of the Parsha, when we're receiving information relevant to the inner purpose of our Aveda. But when we are in the land and are actually dealing with the Aveda, when we're in a situation where the work is to conquer the Nefesh Abamis, the material soul, and the Yetzirah, then we need to know what we're dealing with. Melatataya. It's not a good thing. These are curses that the Yetzirah can lead us to. And we need to be, as Chazal say, constantly vigilant that the Yetzirah agitates against the Yetzirah. Now the fact that the Torah calls klola, chilufa, an exchange for bracha, when the Pasuk is telling us, anoichi noisei that Hashem is putting this before the, us, isn't only so that we know that there's benefit in the hard times in the Yisurim, so that it's easier to handle these times, but it's actually fundamental to the idea of chilufa, of exchange. The expression anoichi, the term anoichi, is beyond and transcends divine name and represents achtus pshuta, simple oneness. How then does simple, absolute oneness of God become something and its exchange? And the exchange here is a negative thing, a klola. Chsidis explains that simple wholeness of God is reflected particularly in multiple dimensions of the divine. This multiplicity reflects the truth of an unlimited and unformed, unrigid, undefinable and indescribable God. And therefore, even the opposite of what one would assume is obvious divine abundance is not only truth within this Achtus Pshuta, but this multiplicity, this characteristic that reveals the opposite, the Chilufa, the concealed blessing, actually reflects a, so to speak, higher source than revealed blessing. The concealed blessing reflects and reveals a higher source than revealed blessing. The idea is like what the Alter Rebbe teaches us in Tanya Perak Chavav, chapter 26, that the essence of Yisurim, of suffering, of challenges, is good that stems from a world of concealment. From the Vovke of God's divine name, transcending revelation, thus the Yisurim, the travails of exile, are chasodim hamechusim, covered, hidden kindnesses that cannot descend into the world in a revealed manner as revealed kindnesses. Hence, we learn in Mishlei, who is beloved to God is rebuked and admonished. Not that only the ones who God loves he admonishes, for Hashem loves us all, but that true love is concealed this is chasodim nistorim. These are concealed kindnesses, revealed good. Like when you wonder why the guy, the next guy has it so good, that's a revelation of only chitzonius hachesed. It's an abundance from an external level of kindness. Now, we want these concealed kindnesses to be revealed 
as recognizable and revealed good, recognizing and knowing that the chasodim mechusim, the covered kindnesses of the real source of our Yesurim, makes it possible for us to be smechim b'yesurim, joyous with our pekel. And that effort then reveals the root of this, this kindness. And we merit Hashem yitain hatoiv, God's goodness, in an obvious and revealed way. Currently, we're in a time of comfort. In the time of the Shiva Denechemta, the seven weeks of consolation over the destruction of Bayes Rishon and Bayes Sheni, the Yisurim of exile. These weeks are reflected in the Haftaris that we read on Shabbos, Haftaris about Hashem comforting us. Hashem says, I, two times, I will comfort you. Two times Anoichi is an higher, a higher revelation even than Matan Torah when Hashem said Anoichi, but only once. The Haftarists speak as well about the abundant goodness to Bnei Israel, to our nation. Not just goodness, but abundant goodness. A term unique to these Haftarists. For these weeks are when the Chasodim HaMechusim, the covered kindnesses, hidden during the three weeks of Bein HaMetzorim, the weeks of mourning the Bote Mikdash, are uncovered and revealed. These three weeks appear to be a time of great divine constraint, when we could not see Hashem's kindnesses openly, and they appear to be a time of punishment and suffering. The seven weeks of consolation are when this higher level of good becomes revealed. The order of the revelation of the good is alluded to in the Haftaris, particularly in the beautiful Haftarah of this week of our Parsha, this Haftarah, the third of the Shiva Denechemta, reads, Ania Sayara, poor storm-tossed one, Loinachama, who hasn't found comfort. Hine, behold what I will do for you. Anoichi marbutz bepuch avonayich. I will lay down carbuncle as your building stones, v'yisaditich b'sapirim, and make your foundations of sapphires. The Haftarah goes on to prophesy a time of no fear, a time when Hashem will take retribution over our enemies, when no weapon set against us will succeed in harming us, and no judgments made against us as a nation will be or rather, when judgments made against us will be condemned, when all our children will be Yirei Shamayim, and they will be peaceful within themselves. The Avudraham teaches, based on the Midrash, a reason for the specific order of the Haftarahs of these weeks. In the first Haftarah, Hashem says to the Nevi'im, to the prophets, Nachamu, Nachamu, Ami, Comfort my nation. But we respond to this in the second Haftarah, the Tamer Tzirin Azavani Hashem, that being comforted through the prophets feels like Hashem has abandoned us. We want the Nechama to come from Hashem Himself. 
And when in the third Haftarah, the Nevi'im relate to Hashem that we are like a storm-tossed ship and have not found comfort, we are assured of that comfort. And in the fourth Haftarah, Hashem says, anoichi, anoichi, I alone are comforting you. Followed by the fifth and sixth Haftarahs, Rani Akora, Hashem Loyolda, excuse me, Rani Akora Loyolda, sing barren woman, burst out in song, and Kumi Oiri Kiva Oirech, arise, shine, for your light has come, words of comfort directly from Hashem. And so in the Haftarah, in the seventh Haftarah, we respond to Hashem, Sois Osis Bahavaya. I will rejoice with Hashem. Now that Hashem has comforted us, I will rejoice in Hashem. My soul will exult with my God, with Hashem Himself. So here's a question. Hashem knows everything in the future as well. So Hashem knew that we would not accept comfort from the prophets and that he would ultimately comfort us. Then why wait until we lamented that we felt abandoned? What purpose does this serve? When the Nevi'im comfort us, we cry out, Hashem has abandoned us because we know that having come out of the three-week period of mourning, there's a much greater purpose to this time than suffering only to be comforted by the prophets. We know there's a chesed na'ala, a concealed kindness that comes from Hashem. We know that the suffering is just a chilufa, an exchange that the real concealed goodness doesn't become revealed through the comfort of the Nevi'im. That's not the purpose of exile. That the pain is so great means that the kindness is so concealed and that only Hashem can reveal these kindnesses. And this recognition, calling out for Hashem's comfort, causes the kindnesses to be revealed. Hashem agrees to our lament and responds with I will comfort you. Until that comfort is a complete comfort, the ultimate final redemption, when with our very human eyes, we will perceive the kindnesses in a completely open and revealed way.